Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started, make sure that you subscribe, leave that rate and review. Head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe so you can get all the inside info from us on the Hawkeyes and recruiting. That's uh, that's uh, definitely a great place to, to be right now as the season has started. So today, what we're doing, we are previewing that Cyhawk game this Saturday at 2.30 in Jack Trice with Bill Seals of Cyclone Report at William Seals on Twitter. So Bill, before we really get into it, initial thoughts on that that Cyclones victory last week, 30-9 to over UNI. Well, I, I guess if there were ever a game that Iowa State didn't really want to go a whole lot offensively to Iowa, it's in a game where they only run 45 offense. So uh, I, I think uh, a big a big part of the, the, the preseason, at least talking to Matt Campbell, was efficiency on offense, taking care of the ball. Uh, new court, Two new quarterbacks out there, Rocco Beck got the start. Uh, J.J. Cole, a couple of four stars at Iowa State signed each of the past two uh, recruiting classes. They, they did that. They took care of the ball. Rocco was 10 of 13 uh, passing, seemed to be a little more comfortable. And not, not surprisingly, he's been in, the, been in the program longer than J.J., but uh, I think Rocco has solidified himself there through the two touchdown passes to the tight ends. And uh, Iowa State didn't turn the ball over. On the other side, they, they forced some turnovers, uh, turned two of those into 10 points. Uh, J, uh, Jeremiah Cooper, the, the defensive player of the week in the Big 12, for those two picks that he got against UNI. So I think all around, and you saw special teams-wise, too. Iowa State actually has a special teams coordinator now in Jordan Langs. He's also handling the uh, running back coaching duties. But we saw that was a, a big strength as well. And Gosh, Iowa State, Iowa, uh, two of the top punters in the nation. And I think special teams, you look at that phase, that could be a big one uh, this week and what could be a low scoring and and uh, pretty close, maybe one score margin of victory either way. Now, again, before we get into really the thick of the game, tell us about the uh, the issue for folks getting in after the game started, especially for those who are planning on going to the game this weekend. Uh, how should they prepare? Should should they plan on getting into the stadium relatively early? Well, I, I think that uh, according to uh, AD Jamie Pollard, after he talked a little bit after last week's uh, issues, uh, you probably want to be in there by about one forty-five. I think if you're a Hawkeye fan watching this, Cyclone fans tuning in as well, you want to try to get in there by about one forty-five. That they have a new like a Ticketmaster ticketing system, I guess, that uh, last week they didn't have. I, I don't think they had enough scanners for the demand of the guys, the, the people coming up. And then also, I, I don't think we're going to have temperature being an issue this week. But, I mean, you know, Elliot, when you're out in the sun and stuff, you, you people have a hard time seeing their cell phone screens. And then if it gets to a certain temperature, the thing just shuts down. Well, good luck scanning your ticket then. But uh, I think you want to plan on being there 45 minutes-ish before kickoff, and you should be in good shape. And I think Iowa State after week one, maybe some of those uh, kinks worked out going into this week. So now back to football. As we're talking a little bit about uh, – you mentioned the quarterbacks, Rocco Becht, and then J.J. Cole getting some snaps – 
Do you think we're going to see two quarterbacks this weekend in that in that Cy Hawk game? Do you think JJ Cole will see the field? Well, I I that that's a good question, Elliot. I I I think this is going to be a close game, so it's probably not going to be one of those deals where you see two quarterbacks, a second one come in, maybe in mop up situations. And really, when you look at those two quarterbacks, they they you don't have to change the offense a lot around them. So it's not really a case where you're going to see one that come in and maybe run a couple gadget plays because they're pretty similar in what they bring. So I would be very surprised if we see J.J. Cole this week, even though uh, Matt Campbell uh, yesterday at his press conference hinted that that we, we could see him. But I'd, I'd be very surprised if, if he plays uh, this week. And so when it comes to a guy like Becht, one thing that we talked about quite a bit yesterday, uh, Tuesday at, at Iowa's media availability for football is that it's kind of difficult to prepare for a quarterback that has seen so little of the field at the college football level. And you mentioned only however many snaps and he didn't play all of them last week against you and I. So do you think that and you could arguably say the same thing about, about a decent amount of the running back group and, and just the rest of the offense in general with uh, a lot of the turnover that this team has experienced. Do you think that's an, an, that's a, an, an advantage for, for Iowa state going into this one, even though there is the, you know, the lesser experience and they haven't seen as much time on the football field uh, in Ames. Well, I, I guess it could be construed as a, as a little bit of an advantage, although uh, the, the head coach is still the same. The, the guy with what you would think would have the ultimate say maybe on, on what they were going to do and in, in, maybe in certain situations. Uh, Nate Shieldhouse is the new offensive coordinator he took over uh, as a guy that was on the field, I, I believe on the field during games his entire career so far, but now is up in the booth calling plays and has a lot of help from some other guys on the sidelines, Jake Waters, Kyle Kemp, a couple of those uh, on, on the field, uh, new quarterback out there and, and back. And they, they kept things pretty vanilla, I think, really, in that first game. Not surprisingly, I mean, uh, Iowa's probably not going to do the same thing for Iowa State either unless it needs to. So um, and the offense, we really didn't see if there were a whole lot of changes, I think, uh, with Iowa State's system because they didn't really do a whole lot. 45 offensive plays, and I think we'll have a little bit better idea on Nate Shieldhouse's offense and maybe any differences in that out of, coming out of this week's game uh, and then going into Ohio. To further that conversation on Beck, in the little bit that you've seen, obviously you covered his recruitment as well, being a four-star. What are his strengths? What should Iowa fans be prepared for from, from the Cyclone quarterback and, well, the Iowa defense for that matter? Well, I think one one comparison that I'll draw is, is Brock Purdy. You look at him, similar stature guys. Uh, Brock probably could have been a four-star coming out of high school with the way he finished his career down there in Arizona. And similar build, uh, Rocco has that escapability, the uh, the ability to extend plays. And we've seen Iowa State's offensive line. I'm sure we'll maybe get to that here in a little bit. But uh, that's uh, new coaching there uh, as far as a position coach goes. And with that offensive line still maybe going in flux a little bit and getting some time under Ryan Clanton, that means you'd like to have a quarterback with some of that escapability, like what Rocco had, like what we saw with Brock. He wasn't always playing behind the best offensive lines in, 
games either. So I think the ability of Rocco to get out and make plays and and see the field as well as as he's done is is pretty big for Iowa State and uh, a lot of comparisons I think to Brock and, and what we saw and and early in in his career. Now, before we get to the offensive line, I want to talk a little bit about the Cyclones' weapons on, on the outside and in the backfield as well. Uh, Cartavius Norton is, when I look at the offense, he and Jalen Knoll are the two names that that stand out, though the tight end room is is really deep. When you're facing a defense like Iowa, it's going to be one of the best in the country, right? Where do you think, in terms of these offensive weapons, do you, can they get that? advantage can they find a hole in the Iowa defense based on the, the talent that they have and their ability to to move the ball with with a quarterback like like Beck and that they, they do have that experience on at the wide receiver position and and in the running back room with some youth too in Abu Sama yeah and we we saw against Iowa last season uh, Xavier Hutchinson had 11 catches closed in on, on 100 yards had that big touchdown catch and he's not back this year so uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Iowa State goes about trying to attack this uh, this Iowa defense. And uh, Jalen Noel didn't really he, he didn't really do much in that opener against you and I. And he's kind of that one that'll that's going to go over the middle, work out of the slot. And uh, we heard a lot of good things about Jaden Higgins in the preseason, and he's also one that we didn't really see a whole lot out of. And maybe that's just, I guess, the vanilla-ness, if that's a word, of Iowa State's uh, offense in that opener. And we didn't uh, – Higgins caught that one pass for 15 yards, and uh, Dimitri Stanley had some drops in that game. and He was the number three guy last season, number two uh, returning guys. So I almost wonder if the tight end group is, is going to be a focus for Iowa State in this game. We've seen Ben Bramer <clears throat> out of Nebraska. Uh, he had a tremendous uh, debut for Iowa State. And I, I almost wonder if Iowa State's going to lean on some of those tight ends a little bit in, in Bramer. And we've also seen Gabe Burkle, uh, someone up from the, the Cedar Rapids area. He got involved in the passing game, and he's that big blocking tight end Iowa State liked to have in the past in Dylan Saner. So it's going to be interesting to, to see through the air how, how they go. But I think tight ends are going to be involved. And uh, the, uh, you've got uh, Abu Sama at running back, Cartavius Norton, two of those backs that led the way last week. And I think those two are going to complement each other pretty well. And we saw that last week. Did I see on the, I, I don't know if it's the same for this week's depth chart, but I, did I see on the depth chart from last week that they or, had four ors? Or, right. Or. Yeah. <laughs> you figured they had five guys on the or line. They so, so I just saw a tweet out somewhere that somebody's had the breakdown of all the ors in the depth charts of college football teams. And Iowa state actually, was, I don't know, maybe middle of the pack. I was kind of surprised because you never can really glean too much from a, a Matt Campbell depth chart and, and notably at the running back position last week. And then you still got, I think, Rocco and JJ are still on the or line this week at quarterback, even though we know how that's going to go. So I think after week one, Matt just maybe has his secretary just say, yeah, looks good, and that's a depth chart for that week. So, I mean, there's a guy that's out for the year on the offensive line that's uh, that's listed on the or line uh, there at, at guard. So you, you never can take too much out of that. 
<clears throat> so when we're talking about that running back group, is it going to be a group that's considered to be that deep, or are we going to see mostly Norton and, and Sama throughout the year, do you think? Well, I, I think that that's what you're going to see. Um, I, Eli Sanders was uh, another one of those backs that had a great camp, and everybody thought maybe he would push Norton for the starting job last week. And I guess he's nicked up a little bit, too. And it's kind of a shame because he was really starting to kind of come into his own. He was a four-star that they signed out of the 2021 class out of Arizona that really has just not gotten his footing in Ames. And you, you wonder now if Sama is going to kind of take over that role because Sanders is the fleet-footed back, the, the home run threat. Now Abu is that, and, and Norton's kind of the guy, that, the run-between-the-tackles guy to get it, get the tough yards. So mention of the offensive line. That's been kind of a weak spot in Ames. That's the reason they brought in Coach Clanton, who had such a great career at UNI. Is it a weak spot again this year, I guess, is is the main question. Well, they didn't, <clears throat> they didn't grade out very well. Um, last week, 45 offensive plays, you wonder through as many guys there if they stuck with the same five, maybe if it's a, a little bit different result. I think you'd want to see better out of that group. I, I believe only one of those guys graded out above a 50 against you and I, and it makes you wonder against a defense like Iowa's how that's going to look. And, and uh, when that's not performing well, you've seen these Iowa State offenses, offenses struggle in recent years, but Ryan Clanton was brought in for a reason. He's He's got one game now under his belt to look at the film, and we, we saw uh, two new starters there, a redshirt freshman and, and a, a former JUCO transfer, those two new starters. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what, what's cleaned up there and maybe if they can uh, grade a little bit better against the Hawks. Now, for Iowa, the offensive line group, did pretty well in pass pro run blocking was a weak spot. Is there a dichotomy when it comes to that dichotomy rather, is there a strength versus a weakness or is it pretty much about the same level for Iowa state? Well, I think it's, yeah. uh, Pressure wise. um, I I really wondered uh, how much pressure Iowa state could get on Theo day last week with just so many new faces Will McDonald gone to the NFL, MJ Anderson moved on. Those were two stalwarts last year. And I, I was pleasantly surprised. Tyler Onyetum is going to be a handful for Iowa this week, coming out of that uh, kind of that defensive tackle that lines up in the end, the 3 3 5 look that they they have between he and, and Dominic Orange. They, they had uh, solid first games against you and I. We saw. The very, I think, believe it was the very opening play of the game when Dom Orange came through there and, and hit Theo. They picked up the flag, and then Iowa State gets flagged in the secondary uh, for a, a, a penalty there. So, but between Onyetum and Orange, that those are going to be two guys that Iowa definitely has to account for. And then uh, you've just got a lot of youth there. Joey Peterson, uh, one that that uh, is is playing at that rush end spot that Will left the like the, the Leo linebacker slash defensive end position. I, Ike Eziagu is a redshirt freshman that uh, got a lot of time last week at, at that rush end position as well. So I think Iowa State, um, great in the secondary. But uh, if, if a quarterback, because Iowa State can't get a lot of pressure there, it could stress that secondary a little bit, which is a, 
I believe is it may be the best that Matt Campbell's had in his uh, tenure at Iowa State. Now that three three five is traditionally considered to be a defense that is focused on the pass game, and for Iowa, I, I mentioned their struggles in, in run blocking. Thirty six attempts for eighty eight yards last week. Is that yeah. uh, something that you look at as somebody who covers Iowa State, where it's like, well, that's that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you it, think? It's definitely. It's definitely not a defense that was designed to beat Iowa. It, it was designed as a, a defense to match up against the, the nine Big 12 teams on the schedule and, and the offenses that they ran. And, and we, we, we saw that. I mean, how, how long did it take uh, Iowa State to, to beat Iowa? I mean, with that defense that they run, I, and Iowa State, the, the, or Iowa, the beat them over the middle how many times like with the tight ends and the crossing routes and all that and and there there's a way to beat this defense iowa has has done a, a pretty good job uh with that and and maybe iowa state after all of these years maybe a few more wrinkles coming into uh a saturday's saturday's game but certainly if you look at iowa's offensive numbers as you mentioned the the running game struggle to get going and uh it'll make you it make you think how that fares against Iowa State uh, with a, a defensive front that really uh, is is pretty green, really, as far as experience goes. And a lot of these guys are playing in this Sion game for the first time. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. A lot of those guys playing in this game for the first time, there's one freshman starting at middle linebacker for Iowa State. Right. Am I correct? Chicago land guy, Jack Sadowski. I'm not, I don't think Iowa recruited him real heavily. He was one that Iowa state got, uh, got, uh, committed pretty early and then really shut it down. He didn't really hear, he kept a pretty, uh, low prop profile, even with us recruiting, uh, reporters as well. So he got to work his senior year. You really didn't hear from him much again, but, uh, he's since he got to Ames in January has made his presence known, uh, didn't surprisingly didn't record a tackle in that game against you and I, and he's a middle linebacker and you look at Iowa state's defensive linemen and it's, they don't really rack up a whole lot of numbers either, especially the guys on the inside. It's all funneled to the linebackers. So we didn't really see a whole lot of, out of Sadowski, uh, someone else in there, uh, Zach Labette, uh, a kid out of Florida that they got as a transfer from uh, Missouri he, he's going to split time, I think, with Sadowski. Those guys maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe like a 60-40 type of percent split there. So uh, just one of them, though, uh, a couple of uh, redshirt freshmen at the Sam linebacker at the outside uh, spot there. So uh, some more new faces. And then you've got Gary Vaughn, the, the kid who's back uh, taking a free COVID year that's kind of on the other end of the, end of the spectrum. And now let's move on to the known strength for, for Iowa State, which is that secondary. And I'm looking at TJ Tampa, which is a name that a lot of folks know. Jer is Jeremiah Cooper that won that Big 12? There you go. And uh, it just seems like they go for a position that is, you know, they have five guys on the field at a time. They, they look like they go seven, eight, nine deep. Well, yeah, and, and you, you mentioned seven, eight, nine deep. I think they played nine linebackers before we move on to talk about the secondary. So they they played 
uh, I believe, around 70 guys in that UNI game combined when you factor offense, defense, and special teams. So the participation chart was like their entire roster. <laughs> it was just amazing. But, yeah, as far as uh, – uh, we didn't see a whole lot of TJ Tampa uh, against you and I. Uh, Miles Purchase on the other side played quite a bit. I believe Tampa only had maybe 23 snaps in that game. I think they felt that they were probably in good shape defensively, and, and we've heard a lot about Terrell Crosby, uh, John Tez Williams. Those are a couple of redshirt freshmen that got a lot of time with Tampa kind of taking it easy in that UNI game. We saw some good things out of them. And then uh, safety, that's a, a, a great position there. Bo Freeler was the one who kind of dominated the headlines. He's the – uh, all big, uh, he's been all Big 12 uh, a couple of times so far. He's a junior. And then you've got Jeremiah Cooper, uh, a true sophomore, got a lot of time uh, last season. They kind of battled some injuries, fought through those. And then Malik Verdon, we were just starting to see him last season really establish himself as, as one of those cornerstones at safety and misses. Uh, most of the year with an injury, but he's another one. We saw his name called a lot against uh, you and I. Now, when we're, I'm going to, I'm going to flip back to, to the run defense for a second here for, for Iowa state. When I asked coach Ferentz about that on Tuesday, um, just given the fact that Iowa, well, in that Utah state game, the thing that they referenced several times in regards to their inability to get the run game going was the fact that, they didn't really know what to expect with the Utah State defense. New defensive coordinator coming in, they were showing some fronts that they didn't exactly expect. And my question was, well, you know, Iowa State a lot better than Utah State. Mm -hmm. So obviously that, I guess, quote unquote, excuse isn't going to hold up against a team like like the Cyclones. But what Kirk said was something uh, to the effect of, well, they tend to, even though it is a 3-3-5 and a, and a defense that does tend to focus on, on the passing game, they are a team that gets their guys free and they don't miss tackles. And that's why they do have a decent run defense as well. Would you agree with that sentiment? And and do you well, think it's, it's going to hold up on, on Saturday? Well, the safeties you'll, you'll see on tape, the safeties are also very involved in the, in the run game and they all fly to the ball and they don't miss many tackle tackles. And, and then I think that's one thing that makes, TJ Tampa and Miles Purchase so good too is is how well they support the run game, and against Iowa you're you're going to need these those guys. I, Iowa State's going to need those guys to fly to the ball and 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 not miss tackles, and that's one thing that when you run that three three five, I think you're going to be tested underneath a lot. You're probably not going to get pressure deep too much or put a lot of stress I think down the field. So that takes guys coming up with that three-man front and supporting the run and, and making those tackles, and they've done that well. Um, you and I, uh, rushing-wise, maybe as far as the defensive front for ISU goes, maybe wishes that they would have played a little bit better, I think, in the trenches against the run, but uh, we saw some things happen there. Uh, you and I was able to uh, sustain some drives late in that game, and, and the defense wasn't able to get off the field. That's why you run 45 offensive plays. So before we get to our final predictions here, 
one thing that I want to make sure we hit on is that Iowa has won five straight in Ames. Obviously lost that one uh, in Iowa City in a very low scoring game last year, 10 to 7. Is the fact that the Hawkeyes have won these five straight in Ames, would you say that's like an extra motivating factor for the Cyclones? Is it something that they are aware of uh, going into to Saturday? Well, I, I think certainly it, it probably comes up in, in some of those pregame meetings this week. But I, I think uh, the questions that Matt Campbell had uh, uh, that he faced yesterday was just about the ability to finally get over the hump last season and, and win that game. And and really, it was a, a game that, I mean, how many times have you seen Iowa State talk about winning in the margins and and stuff like that? And, and they had a quarterback last season that threw two interceptions in that game. That was a problem throughout the season. Iowa State did some of those things, not winning in the margins type things, and still was able to to pull out that win. So I think that was really huge for the team's psyche coming into this week. And, and you, you know that uh, it's going to come up that they haven't won in games. And as you mentioned, uh, five straight times. Now, by the sounds of it, you have been impressed with the team based on this one game that you saw against a, a strong team in, in FCS, you and I, a top 25 ranked team in the FCS, traditionally a very strong program. Does it carry over into your prediction? What is your prediction going into this game? Do you have a final score? Who do you think wins? Where are you at with with your thoughts going into this one? To be honest, I I really don't pull a whole lot out of the out of the UNI game. I just think that it it's between week one and week two. It, se- it seems like things change so much, and you've got such a step up. I think in competition, um, especially on the defensive side. Um, Iowa State was able to get a lot of pressure on Theo Day and, and made him look pretty pedestrian this week. Does that happen against a Cade McNamara and and uh, what we've seen in him from his time in Michigan? Certainly a step up for Iowa there. So I really don't think you can can take too much really out of that UNI game. And that's why it's I think it's so difficult for me to break this game down, really. It, I think at this point of the week, I I will say I believe it. It I don't know what I don't know. Is it thirty nine points? Is that the over under right now? Probably going to hit the under on that, and I wouldn't surprise me if it's a sizable amount below the under. And I think it's a one possession game. We've seen. I mean, that's probably lazy a lazy evaluation out of me, but I'm just going off a of track record record here and. And these games are low scoring. And how many in Matt Campbell's tenure as head coach have been one score games? It seems like most of them. Uh, the reason we went four and eight last season is because they didn't fare very well in those one score games. So do you have a final score? So I, I'm getting some general stuff, but do you have a specific prediction <laughs> final score for this one, Bill? You know, I really don't at this point. I'll, I'll get into uh, tomorrow. I'll spend about three or four hours really digging deep into this, go into the game preview writing mode um, and and come up with the final score. But uh, I would just say generally, I, I think this is a game that Iowa State uh, I, Iowa State wins. And again, maybe a three to four point margin somewhere. So I guess you could say, I think they're going to hit the under on whatever the over under is now. I think 39 or something that it's going to be a low scoring game, Iowa State by three or four points somewhere in there. I saw the uh, under this morning on Twitter and I'm it was 36 and a half. So. Okay, so it's gone 
on, I think, I, I put up my game score prediction thread for all of our, our users on Cyclone Report, and I always like to give them, you know, what the lines are. So it, it has gone down, and not surprisingly, I mean, when you saw 39 points, I'm sure that uh, the under started getting uh, hammered on, on that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, with that said, I, I actually, now this was probably about a month ago, we got together and did a full season prediction on on our site and really went into the weeds on on some of these early games too and i actually having seen week 1 offense from iowa i have definitely backed off this bit of a what appears to be a hot take now but i thought iowa was, was going to blow out iowa state just given the fact that well, one, there's so much new personnel, and mm-hmm. uh, well, we didn't exactly know if JJ Cole was going to play half the game or not. And playing against one of the top defenses in the country, that's a tall task for a young quarterback. And you could say the same thing for Rocco Beck. So I am now at a point where I'll probably flip it to a three to four point win for Iowa. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Of course, I'll have you send me over your your uh, final prediction article and everything like that. We'll get that in the description for for the podcast yeah. so folks can check it out. And I'll, I'll share it on our premium boards as well. Um, Definitely. But- I think uh, it's in, as far as Iowa State concerns I, is concerned, you, you mentioned kind of some of your observations. I think a couple of things we could probably take out of the UNI game is that this offense was efficient. You didn't have a, a new first-time starting quarterback come out and throw two or three picks to kind of give you some pause there. I think that position's in good hands, and they've definitely harped on these guys about efficiency and taking care of the football. We did certainly not uh, what you talk about the 2022 Iowa State offense with that. And then defensively, uh, what they were able to do I think it is, is encouraging for Iowa State fans, uh, especially that defensive front and what we saw of Tyler Onyedem and Dominic Orange. If they can keep those guys on the field against Iowa, it, this defense is, is as good as, as what we've seen in the John Haycock's run at Iowa State. And the secondary, too. Gosh, that's probably better than what we saw last season. So you have that as well. Now, I want to talk a little bit about in-state recruiting battles before we get you out of here, purely out of my own curiosity, before we do get to that. While I've got you, it, it, now that there is a verdict on Aaron Johnson, or excuse me, Aaron Blom and Jack Johnson, no longer on the team, on the roster on Iowa's website, Noah Shannon expected to be done, uh, let alone, you know, assuming that appeal doesn't exactly bring anything to fruition is this something that the gambling situation so all in all it's kind of just it's we've moved on more or less in mm-hmm. in iowa city is what it appears like is that the same in iowa state do you feel like it's affected the team currently at all or it's affecting the team and chemistry and and if they've embraced rocco beck in favor of of hunter deckers and thoughts on the running back group with Jirel brock out like what what's the thoughts there have they moved on as well well i they they appear to have uh, moved on i think everyone has embraced rocco and and really since the end of spring ball i believe that hunter's not really been around the program it wasn't one of those things where training camp started in august and he took off and left he wasn't really around all summer so i think there's been uh several months now for the team to kind of take hold of of uh the new quarterbacks there and, and Rocco as, as being the guy. And 
a lot of it's really, I, I think, been resolved. And I, I think you you probably have an I what six games. I think for Jake Remsburg, they're probably going to get him back. I believe the twenty first of October, and then they've got a bye week the next week. So wouldn't be surprised to see Remsburg probably end up being more like eight weeks with the seven games, and then the bye week, and they bring him back, and that's going to be a nice addition, I think, at, at tackle if this offensive line struggles and we've seen them deal with some injuries as well. And really everybody else, it's been pretty much been resolved and everybody knows what's, what's what there with Isaiah Lee, Jirel Brock, both left the program. I don't think you'll probably see Deshaun Hanek at the tight end again. And really you don't need to that they've got great depth there and, and they're, they're certainly not hurting with Hanukkah being out. So I think they've, certainly moved on and, and you're into the season now and you know you know what you're going to have and the one guy that you're you're probably going to get back at one point is, is Remsburg so he's practicing and you you uh, prepare accordingly on to these recruiting battles we've only got a few minutes left so we'll make it quick but I've got a list of guys here that both schools have at least appeared to be recruiting hard not necessarily offered all of them have have Iowa State and Iowa offered all of them, but the list is in the 2025 and the 2026 classes, and it's only a few players. So I'm just going to read it off, and and I'll have you tell me if any of these guys, if Iowa State is the clear leader to you for them at this point in their recruitment. Thomas Meyer, okay. Thomas Meyer, Zay Robinson, Jack Limbaugh, Alex Mansky, Malachi Curvey, Krishan Ross, and Jaden McGregory. Yeah, I think that, uh, that that's a, a pretty good list there. Um, like you, uh, Malachi Curvey, I think he's one. You, a lot of, I think, writers outside of, of Ames would, would think that it's not necessarily a given that he goes to Iowa State, but I still think that Iowa, the Cyclones are in great shape with him. I think that he'll end up being a part of this class. Um, you, you mentioned Zay Robinson. Yep, he's another one. Um, I, I know the the way the offense uh, structured there at Iowa State. He and Nate Shieldhouse were very close before Nate even got the the OC's job. And the Cyclones in great shape there. It's a shame that he that he got that he that he suffered the shoulder injury that he did. But I think maybe that closes things in for him a little more to where he focuses on on what he's got right now for offers because he's really not going to have much tape probably until next camp season. And it makes you wonder if he's, uh, if he's already wrapped things up and committed by then. So that narrows his focus down. Uh, you, you said Thomas Meyer, I, I think with him, it, it's a matter of what position he wants to play uh, on the field. Uh, I just talked to him. I believe it was right uh, before Clear Lake's uh, season opener. He still hadn't really wanted the, to uh, hint at what he wants to play at the next level. I think if he plays defense, the Cyclones have a, a great shot. They've offered him there. He's gotten a lot of work with Eli Rashid, the position coach there. If he wants to play offense, gosh, it's and, and be a tight end. Uh, it's hard to beat Iowa for him and, and what the Hawks have done with that position. So a matter of, uh, of two uh, positions there. Uh, remind me the other three you had mentioned first. You said Ross from... Uh, the 2026 from Fort Dodge. Yep. Uh, is, is he a wrestler at the next level? I mean, it, it's 
it's tough to predict with him. Iowa Iowa State offered him a, a while back at at uh, on the football field, and and I think if he wants to play there, uh, certainly would be a factor. But I I don't believe that that the coaches saw him over the summer either. I don't think he camped in Ames for them to get a better look at him. So going to be one of those things they, they they can't initiate contact yet with 26s either so it's going to take him probably come on and, and uh, go into a game we'll maybe get a better feel uh for for how that goes jay mcgregory was he another one from west yep. des moines valley i think the cyclones are are in good shape there and and really uh i think recruiting him maybe more so on the defensive side of the ball and and gosh he he would look great at, at uh, what six two uh, playing safety in Ames, but uh, I think still a lot to be decided with him. And, and really, uh, if Valley can get the, the quarterback situation figured out, gosh, he might look pretty good at, as a wide receiver, too, on tape coming into this offseason. Uh, I think one more guy, too, you had mentioned. Was uh, Mansky? Mansky, Mansky and Limbaugh. Uh, yeah, Mansky and Limbaugh, the two Algona kids. Limbaugh's the one that has the offer there. Uh, Mansky, I think, was was probably this close to getting an offer. You, I think, you were at, at Iowa State's camp that day as well, Elliot. Uh, he was close. He started out the the first half of the camp. I think maybe I told you or someone else that I think he's going to get an offer based on what we saw in the the, the testing phases and and kind of some of that stuff. And maybe when they got out into the one on ones and some of the positional drills, they maybe wanted to see a little bit more out of him. And there's, there's certainly uh, lighting him up with edits right now. You see him tweet <laughs> some of these things out, but Iowa state's very high on a, a quarterback out of St. Louis right now, I think. And, and he's been up on an unofficial visit. So I think they're going to get maybe a little more clear. They can be picky there. I think they're waiting to maybe get a little more clarity if they can get uh, the St. Louis kid up for another game day visit, kind of where they're at there before maybe they get too serious on Mansky. But uh, Limbaugh certainly is a take and on the defensive uh, side of the ball and, and one they'd love to uh, to have and plug in at that uh, maybe that rush end position, the, the Leo uh, uh, defensive end on, on that side. Now, I'll, I'll share my quick thoughts and we'll get you out of here because I know you got to get going. But to me, when I look at this list, there's a few names that stick out right away. It's Curvey, <clears throat> obviously. I think Iowa State's the favorite. Obviously, I, Iowa hasn't offered. I don't know that they will because the conversation was surrounded around camp for him. And then Jaden McGregory, who hasn't received the offer from Iowa, is continuing to build that relationship. I, I tagged you in the tweet. He was wearing Iowa State gloves in right. that, for that, that opening game against um, – Oh, forgive me. It was uh, Southeast Polk this season. So, um, and of course, his recruitment is very, very uh, young at this point, so to speak. Sure. Zay Robinson, definitely one to watch for for the Cyclones, Jack Limbaugh as well. And I got to say, I, I definitely lean Iowa for, for Thomas Meyer. There's still a whole mm -hmm. lot of time to go. He will be at, in Ames this weekend. Um, so definitely a, a name to watch as as the uh, junior season a lot progresses of those guys. A lot yep. of those guys I, we've talked about here are all going to be there. In fact, I I think that 100% of those six that we talked about are all going to be there uh, this weekend. So um, a little close Friday, I'll have the full breakdown on, on everyone I've confirmed for uh, Saturday. It's going to be a long list. And uh, I think that the six we talked about are all going to be on, on campus on Saturday. 
I definitely want to see that list once you've got it together, Bill, that's for sure. We'll get that in the description too for, I assume our premium subscribers um, are, sure. are going to get the access to that. So we'll have that there. So before we get you out of here, uh, make sure that you go follow Bill on Twitter. It is William Seals there, at William Seals rather on, on Twitter. Um, and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc. If you want to get premium content from us, you can do that at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe become a premium subscriber today and lastly we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of hotcast preview that sci hawk game this weekend and for now we'll see you next time